And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap ladies and gentlemen welcome to the alliance guys podcast a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cow, and with me is the effervescent and, and handsome D.K.M. Welcome to the show, D.K. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, but did you go Russian for about 30 seconds or something? Uh, I was in New Mexico this weekend. That's possible I might have become Russian. Um, if you're sure, why not? If you're European, you better not be a Russian. Uh, this is the Alliance Guys podcast. Again, a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com. We come here in peace, but we come here to talk NWA. We're here to talk wrestling with you. We're here to talk about NWA power. We're here to talk about the results of what happened in Charlotte this past weekend. And we're also here to talk about the news coming out of AEW. What's going on with that place? And most of all, we're here to talk with you, our NWA fam. Uh, you guys are a welcome part of the show. We're here to talk wrestling. We're here to talk with you. In the house, we've got wrestling with the MMA. We've got Terry McDermott. We've got Kakushi. And we've got the man formerly known as James H. Jackson Jr., simply known as James. Welcome to the party, pals. DK, how are you, brother? Well, if that was any better, you would know I was lying because work is killing me, literally. I, I can see that look of dread in your face right now. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, in the real life world, I'm a system admin, and we're replacing our financial software where I work. And we go live with the new software Monday. I got a ton of things to do between now and then. I will probably be working after I get off this. I'll probably work all day tomorrow, and I'll probably work most of the weekend. And then I'll, and then Monday, the new play starts, and the world dies. All right. Well, there you go. Terry McDermott says his ex-wife is Russian. Like, was she from Russia? Did she have, like, that Russian accent? Because that might be amazing. It also might be the worst thing ever. I don't know. You like Russian accents? Is there something you're not telling us, Jay? I like all accents, to be honest with you, especially, especially um, southern accents. Girls with the southern drawl. Southern drawl. 
Every last name girls with the southern drawl. Everyone in New Mexico, I think I figured out why you like New Mexico so much, DK. Every women? No, everyone, everyone, not just women, everyone in New Mexico had a very uh, southern hospitality, but not in the south. It was very, it was very like a paradox. I didn't feel like I was in the south, but I felt like I was in the south. If that makes any sense at all. Okay, now that we know that Jay's lost his mind, what are we talking about this week, Jay? We were in, I was in an RV for seven days, guys. But I'm here. That's why you lost your mind. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's questioning that it's not legit that you've lost it, but we know that you have. Now, you might be onto something. Uh, Wrestling with MMA would like to remind you to like, share, follow, subscribe. Uh, this is uh, a show for the fans, by the fans of the National Wrestling Alliance, and we're here to talk first and foremost about NWA Power and the Champion Series. Now, last week, we spent a lot of time speculating about what was going to happen with this Champion Series. They, they spent an entire hour on determining who would be a part of the show, where they would slot in. Uh, they made a whole episode pairing partners together in a draft. And although it was very entertaining as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't a wrestling show. And I was a little bit insulted that it was released on YouTube as quickly as it was. Now, I get why they do that. But again, I don't feel like a show that we paid for should be uh, dropped on YouTube as quickly as it was. Uh, DK, first of all, what did you think about that? That show ending up on YouTube as quickly as it did? Well, it's kind of like you. It's like, uh, wait a minute, I paid for this. So, why are you giving it away for free just a few days later? And then, uh, on top of that, though, what they did get this week was a pretty dang good episode of Power. Um, I'm going to say it right now. I was very happy with the amount of wrestling. Uh, They didn't have to do a lot of promos to put the show over. Although, I kind of missed having a little bit of, uh, you know, podium work with with uh, with uh, Kyle uh, Durden uh, or having May Valentine in the back doing some backstage promos. Uh, what we did get is uh, some of the champions on the, uh, or excuse me, champions or uh, legends, and I'm going to do quotation marks, legends uh, on, during the broadcast uh, as, as part of the announced team. Um, but we got uh, several matchups. We got uh, Team Idol and Camille versus team Aaron and Taryn and that was Latimer versus uh, Marche Rocket we also got uh, team Pope Sky versus uh, team Aldous and Molina and that match gave us uh, Genocide versus Sky Blue a match we've already seen but a pretty good match nonetheless Uh, then we would get uh, team Aldous and team Molina's Fred Rosser taking on team Pope and team Sky's Murdoch and then uh, did I forget a match Oh, yeah, and then we also had Aaron and Taryn's JTG versus Idol and Camille's uh, Mims. Uh, so, I mean, it was a very uh, solid week of wrestling. There's no doubt about it. Um, what, uh, Right off the bat, what did you think, DK? Uh, of course, more wrestling, the better for me. I'm a wrestling fan. So, I thought they put on four, four really good matches. I mean, I... I didn't have a problem with any of the matches they they put on. Uh, certainly, I mean, you certainly can't say much bad about it. Mm. So, 
I like that. I understand a little bit the talk about how there wasn't really inter any interviews or any backstage thing. And I kind of get that. Like I say, shows like this should probably be about 50-50 or, you know, 40-60 in favor of the wrestling. But because of what they're doing with this championship series, which I'm still not 100% sure on what they're doing with this championship series, uh, it works for that because there's not really a lot of talk that needs to be done. They've had, you know, during all the matches, somebody was out at the announce desk. You know, one of the team leaders was out there, either the champion or the legend. And so, you know, they were talking through why they pick who they pick and what they, why they're doing what they're doing, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think it was a, I think that was in place of the interviews. And so, I mean, it, it worked for me for what it was. So with that being said, um, I see a lot of you guys are starting to leave comments. So let's, you know, we, we like to include you guys in the show. That's part of the, the charm of this whole thing. We like talking to you guys. This show is, uh, you know, I don't want to say we're the most interactive show on the planet, but uh, we do like to include you guys in our conversation because that's what makes this fun for us. It's a big, giant group discu discussion. Just DK and I have the cameras rolling. Um, I do see uh, uh, Kakushi asked if I ever had my mind, and that's debatable. Next up, uh, Sean Mega says, are they building towards the NWA 73rd? And that's a great question because I think the short answer is no, right? I mean, they've made no mention towards the pay-per-view other than the commercials that they run, but there's nothing uh, so far indicated in the programming. They haven't mentioned Empower. They haven't mentioned uh, the 73rd, uh, only in passing uh, through those commercials for Fight. So, no, they haven't really built it up just yet, but I, there's still a lot of time, too. I mean, um, the pay-per-view is just about a month away now. And um, they have the next four weeks to build up to it. Um, but let's remember also, you know, I've said this before, because of the way that they film, I don't really think they know what their pay-per-views are fully. I mean, I think they have a general outline, a general idea, but I don't think they fully know what their pay-per-view is going to be when they're recording this because I mean, they're, record, they're recording it three months beforehand. And that's a, and that's a great point because you got to imagine when they, when they recorded this, they hadn't even had their press conference yet at the chase. They didn't know which talents are going to be available to them three months ago. Right. I mean, I imagine finding out that Deanna Perrazzo would accept uh, the offer to be on the show. Wasn't hammered out until just recently. Um, and I, again, whichever legends or uh, talented female wrestlers that end up a part of this show, as well as some of the fresh faces that we're going to get at Empower, uh, I got to imagine that a lot of these uh, weren't, uh, you know, a lot of these names weren't signed on the dotted line when they were putting the show together. And, you know, we've seen how from taping to taping, there are people that come and people that go. Sure. And uh, so I don't 
I don't really know. As we talk about the show, I'll talk about some of my thoughts and some things that may be done to help set up stuff. Especially by people who aren't in the championship series. So, but yeah, you know, it's, I think it's hard for them to do a complete sell because, I mean, let's be honest, by if, uh, you don't want to build Slice Boogie up for the main event if he may not be able to return. I mean, that's a great point. And although, and although he only went to MLW and he possibly could return, it doesn't, you know, you don't know that at the time. Right. Because he could have gone to AEW. Right. Um, so. Let's get to some more of these comments before we get to the actual show because I see a lot of good uh, comments in here. Uh, Jimmy LB is here. What's up, Jimmy? Uh, Dave Scooby says, maybe have a short interview or video packages of the wrestlers involved in the matches and how they feel about their team. Add a few minutes to the program. I mean, I think that's a great idea. I think that would certainly add a little bit more um, bulk to the program. I think you would get a little bit more uh, filler. I mean, they, they don't have to have a show that's packed with only matches. I like it. It, it, it's kind of funny, right? We're walking this thin line because we would criticize when we had matches, shows with not enough matches, and now we're saying, hey, this maybe would benefit from a little bit more promo work. But, I mean, there's got to be that happy medium, right, DK? Well, let me, first of all, go on record as saying, if you're going to go one direction or the other, more action is always better. That's fair. So, if you're going to if you're going to overdo something, more action is always better. Now, especially since interviews are good, interviews are really done more to talk people into the building. That's what interviews are for. That's what the promos are for. Is you got to talk the fans into the building. You know, uh, back in the day, and I'm not saying, bang, and I'm not saying they should, uh, they should do it like this anymore. But you know, back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for the world champions to actually be kind of adults. I mean, Dory Funk, Jeff Briscoe, even Luke Fez, you know, that they, they were more dull guys, but it wasn't their their job was to be the champion and to make the challenger look good. It was the challenger's job to talk the people into the building by saying, I'm going to win the title and you need to believe in me and I need you there and stuff like that. That's, yeah, for sure, right? That's 100%. And, you know, if you ever watch a lot of the old WWE, like from the gardens or from Boston or from, you know, Philadelphia or whatever, they're rarely interviews. They're very few. WWE did very, or WWWWWF did very few storylines. It was only at the top. Most of their matches were just put together matches, an undercard. Because again, like I was talking about last week, nobody cares about the undercard. You care about the main event, and so. You know, that's for what this is. They got people out there talking. It's just during the match. Right. And they can add to the match 
and they can explain things. And I got a gnat flying around me. That's not good. <laughs> so we don't need it. But if you took away the championship series, again, if you can get it right around 50-50 to 40-60 in favor of wrestling, you know, you'd be putting on a good show. And if they start doing house shows, and we've talked about this before, they may have to, if they start doing house shows, they're going to have to adapt their uh, their schedule. Oh, for sure. For, for tapings. Because you're not going to be able to promote the house show that's three months away. So... Well, that- Let's get to more of these. Let's get to more of these comments real quick, and then and then we'll start talking about the card. Uh, again, you guys are killing it already, but uh, I don't want to forget you guys. But uh, we also want to get to the show too. But uh, Ron says I don't really care about who wins the championship series. I'm just happy they are finally moving the gears of character interactions to maybe create a story. I think that's. Uh, I, I kind of like that too. The, the, see, the thing about the champion series is it's it's allowing them to kind of hit a reset button. Um, without really changing up the whole show, they're allowed to kind of uh, change up who the characters are, and you could definitely create some storyline out of this. I mean, uh, you know, with, with, with the team that uh, Aaron and Taryn put together, you could see some conflicting personalities that uh, might lead to some infighting, or, or the team that Aldis put together uh, seems to be almost zero uh, cohesion so far. And then you got Pope and, and Sky's team, uh, who look maybe might be the odds-on favorite. Maybe there might be some tag teams breaking out through there. You just don't really know, and uh, so things could change very quickly. Um, DK, do you have any thoughts to that? No, <laughs> I, 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 I thought thank you. Uh, Kakushi said, "Don't worry, Sean. We'll get a card about seven days before the pay per view." Um, That's and, very generous. It's normally like two. Yeah, uh, uh, Sean Vegas says, "If they can't con- can't film monthly, maybe they should reconsider doing a weekly TV show." You know, I think if you were to ask the fan base right now, I think they'd rather have some content as opposed to no content. And. Uh, uh, James says this is the way it's going to be based off of how they tape. The only people that are guaranteed are the few under contract. Uh, sorry about your bad day, Jimmy. Glad you're here. Hope hope this helps uh, take your mind off things. Kakushi says that uh, Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators out of Glassboro, New Jersey, they book talents for events months ahead of time. How about booking the pay-per-view matches and then bring the talent in for TV based on the pay-per-view to set it up? That's well, and yeah, really, that's more what they should do. By the time they get to the pay-per-view, they should have already booked the next pay-per-view. I mean, they sh- they should already have at least at least the major matches. I mean, look, nobody cares what the opening match is. All right, can I be honest? So Please. you don't need you don't need to announce the opening matches or every match on the card. But what you do need is if my world champion's going to be wrestling, I need to know against who. My tag team champions are going to be wrestling, I need to know against who. And and the truth, about 30 days out is really when the card should be put together. 
So, I mean, they should, they should have it, but the main things for the next pay-per-view at the pay-per-view they're doing. And then they should start developing the stories in the TV shows. And then you time it so about 30 days out, that's when you're announcing matches. Well, we're going to have, you know, the NWA World Champion defend his title against, you know, Jimmy Joe Bob. And we're going to have the World Tag Team Champions to defend their titles against the Ding Dongs. And, you know, the Women's Champions. And that's something you can go, the Women's Champion is going to defend her title against, you know, the winner of a tournament that's going to be held, you know, the week before on TV. Or two weeks before at a card on, you know, in Gary, Indiana. You know, kind of like the Duke. You can do some of that, but there should be building. Even then, we sit there and know, hey, you know, there's four tag teams that are going to be competing. There's eight women who are going to be competing to be in this. And, you know, I want Sky Blue to win because, you know, she shows off a lot. And, hey, you brought it up. And uh, not on the air. It doesn't matter. You still brought it up to me. Fair enough. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, good. Uh, it's just, you know, that's that's what you do. That's how you build. That's what you get things in. You know, someone pointed out, oh, I guess I was, someone pointed out on a question to Jim Cornette that Magnum TA's car wreck was 44 days before Starcade. And most people believed he was scheduled to face Ric Flair. Despite what anybody said, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, whoever, and all the tributes to Magnum, he was not going to win the title that night. That was going to be the start of his program between them. Because they'd only faced each other in one-offs and not really in the Carolinas. So, you know, you, you don't need to be saying three months out what the card is. But you need to know what it is. You need to build to it. In 30 days out, you need to start telling us what the matches are. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so let's get to it, right? So the kickoff of the team, uh, the champion series, again, kind of what they told us is that each champion will have immunity from any other uh, challenge uh, if their team wins for an entire year. So uh, when it comes to Camille's team, because she is technically not able to compete for any of the other titles, uh, if her team wins, then um, then uh, their uh, their uh, woman on their team, who I believe is Kenzie Page, will not be able to challenge for the women's championship for an entire year. And then with the rest of the, the rosters, the way it's set out that, you know, if Aldous's team wins, then nobody on his team can challenge for the world's heavyweight championship. Or perhaps like on Pope's team, he could cash in his if his team wins and he could actually get a, a title match either for the tag titles or for the national for the national title or for the uh, world heavyweight championship if he chooses. So that's kind of like the benefit for the team captains. For the wrestlers, there doesn't really seem to be any kind of real reward 
Um, except for, you know, just getting more exposure, I guess. Um, and then each victory counts as five points for the winning team. Uh, a, a disqualification victory will add three te- uh, points to the team. And then um, I, I missed the other one. Did you see it? What was like a, if they lost, uh, they just didn't get a point Say that again. A draw is two points each. Okay. So a draw, time limit draw, double disqualification, assuming uh, that would be two points. So they have the scoring system set up, and uh, we did actually see some uh, separation between uh, the teams where, you know, there's a team that has zero points and a team that has all the uh, 10 points. But it started off with Team Idol and Team Camille's uh, Tom Latimer taking on Aaron and Taryn's Marche Rocket. Uh, this was a pretty fun match. I know that word gets tossed around a lot. But, um, you know, ultimately when I see Latimer on the card, I think Latimer's going to go out there and destroy somebody. Uh, you know, we've referred to him in the past as a Tasmanian Devil because he's just so intense. He, you know, he's Kevin Frazier's favorite wrestler right now. And Marche Rocket looked really good in this match. I was very impressed with how he carried himself. You know, he, he's been mostly used like as enhancement but in this match he looked really good DK what were your thoughts on this match I, I enjoyed it and as I said again I enjoyed all the matches and you're talking about Rocket looking good and I think that was a key nobody looked bad nobody sucked mm-hmm. none of the matches sucked none of the wrestlers looked bad I mean you can nitpick things and if our former co-host the now fired Kevin Frazier was Maybe I wasn't supposed to bring that. Anyway, uh, uh, anyway, as I was saying, you know, you, you could nitpick things, you could look at things, you go, oh, "Well, this could have been done better, or that could have done better." Although, there, for me, there wasn't a lot that that was anyway close to that. So, you know, it was a solid match. Rocket looked better than I thought he would. And uh, Latimer won like we knew he would. And it was exactly what it should have been. Uh, it, this is the type of match that Power should put on. I mean, this is exactly the type of match that Power should put on. So, you know, uh, I see Terry go, Tom winning was not a shocker. No, and it shouldn't be. Uh-huh. You know, it, it was exactly what it should be. The right guy won. But it was a good match. And, you know, Marche looked better than he has in other matches. And so he comes out stronger because we all knew he was going to lose, but he looked competitive. Or at least somewhat competitive. You know, he wasn't just crushed in there. No. So, you know, good good for him, good for Latimer, good for the whoever put that together. Good match. I enjoyed it. It was two big men doing big men things. That's what wrestling is. Wrestling is big men doing big moves and big whatever to them without looking like they're having a fight. My uh, my son is 22, and he's gone to some wrestling events with me. He's not necessarily a big fan. But he'll, he he kind of likes to go occasionally to the live events. And one time he saw me watching uh, some old Mid South from what was then the WWE Network, and 
he stopped. I was watching on the big TV, and he stopped and he watched a little bit. And he goes, you know, those guys look like they're actually competing. And, you know, then just kind of went on. And that's what this looked like. This looked like two guys who are actually having a sporting contest. So, yeah, I can't hear you. Sorry about that. Somehow my mic got muted. Um, what I really also liked about this match is that even though Latimer's one of the bigger dudes on the roster, I mean, he, muscular-wise, body-wise, He's, he's really fit. He's very well put together. But Marche didn't look uh, like miniature next to him. They looked very equally sized. And I know Marche is not in the same peak condition that Latimer is. He still looked pretty good. And I, I was very happy to see that matchup. Uh, of course, Latimer wins with a stunner. And I thought that was pretty cool, too. I don't think I've seen him use that move yet as a finisher. Um, so that was kind of neat. And then um, just going to some of the comments I saw, uh, NWA Gold said the three-point DQ makes no sense. If there's a pinfall, why wouldn't the about-to-lose team Lumberjacks interfere and cause a DQ? Better than the winning team getting three points and not five, right? That's a great point. That's a that's an amazing point. Um, I, so I actually thought that myself. It seemed like negative points you could go to whoever got it, it. I guess what I do, if there's five points available, Three points to the winning team for the DQ, negative two points to the team that got DQ. There are a couple of comments that were up a little bit higher that I want to kind of grab yeah. real quick. John Mega points out NWA 73 is almost sold out without a card. Props to them for that, and I agree. They've, they've really hit the nostalgic area in a place that's obviously very thirsty for it. it was a smart and that, move. That's, a very small, that's a very smart move. You can only do that so many times in a given era. Yep. So I mean, that, that's one thing. The, the problem that they're having with their pay-per-views, they're, they've had with all of them recently. So uh, smart to go to St. Louis. They've got a huge support from the community in St. Louis. I would love St. Louis. You better put on a great show. You better put on a St. Louis show. And you better not expect everybody to be back in you know next time if you don't so uh that was one dave scooby says tape every six weeks give them time to adjust if needed have a pay-per-view every three months to highlight championships that sounds like a good plan uh what would lufez do i'm suffering from wrestling tournament fatigue in general yeah i don't watch enough wrestling for that uh NWA goal. I don't see how they can build a 73 year power without telling us who's on the card. Well, at least on social media, power is getting some, some uh, news and information out. So I am glad about that. It would be nice if it was on the show, but they are at least getting out some. And uh, he goes, he continues, I don't see how they do it with the champion series on. Will they pause it? Yeah. No, they won't. We'll just keep doing it. John Mega goes. I think Hope or Aaron will win. Um. Uh, I don't know. I would. I would like both to win. I think he's I, got I, a better I, built team. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk about what my fear is when we get more into the card. 
uh, uh, Kakushi goes, did Vern Ganya fuck this thing from the grave? Uh, maybe. Kakushi also goes, did we get any football matches or turkey matches? No, we did not. Wasn't that great? In fact, there were no special stipulation matches. No. There were no three ways. There were no, somebody's going to, no disqualifications, no pinfalls count anywhere. No, nothing. They, they were wrestling matches. Praise, praise the wrestling gods for that. Can I Talk say something about, about that real quick? You can. Because, you know, the, the fact... We talk about how, they, how they're building for the 73rd or the lack thereof, and they're talking about, you know, the champion series. But I kind of feel like maybe this show should have done a 180, right? And maybe that the champion series should have been the first part of these tapings. And that way you could build up whatever the fallout is from the champion series would have played a part of the 73rd or whichever pay-per-view would be coming up next for them. So, like, if this is something they play... Say what? Don't try to make sense. Well, I think that would have done a better job because you would have given an opportunity. What I like about the Champion Series, it is like a hard reboot where where everyone still keeps their titles, but you're mixing it all up. So we're getting fresh matches, and we're not tied to any over-convoluted angles, any like weird storylines. I, I mean, sure, Nick Aldis doesn't like Trevor Murdoch. That's great. He doesn't need to like Trevor Murdoch. But, but the connection is still there, but they get this opportunity to have fresh matchups where Fred Rosser versus Trevor Murdoch wasn't in the cards six months ago. Now that match is perfectly normal to have as a main event for your show this, this past week. I like it for that reason. And if this would have been the first part of the season, maybe you could tease Fred Rosser uh, you know, becoming a heel on, on Trevor Murdoch. You could tease Genocide becoming more of a, a heel in alignment with Camille or or in alignment with, you know, against somebody else. I just think it would have made a lot more sense. And I see uh, James says that's too much logic there, Jay. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically what you're saying is 100% right. That should have reversed this. And just think of all the criticism would have saved from us if they had started with shows that had a lot of wrestling on it. For sure. But, but yeah, I mean, they really should. That would have been the right way to do it. But again, that means they would have had to have their card booked the way they were supposed to. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that any of us give them credit for doing that. And so, I don't know. It's just... Kind of back to the comments because I know we're getting behind. Uh, you brought up the three points don't make for a DQ don't make any sense. Yeah, we talked about that. Because she tries to compare us to some former owners of the NWA, and we're going to ignore that. Thank you. Uh, what would Luthez? says I'm an NWA apologist and I find this whole series thing convoluted mess keep it simple stupid well yeah that's one thing they not do with the series is keep it simple uh, DQ should lose points we agree with we agree with that uh, Kikuchi how are they going to book lab yeah don't read that yeah no <laughs> no probably not they're not 
bingo on the St. Louis show. Show me state after all. That's right. You better do it right. James, I'd love to see them do a second show. Show from the Chase Long Terms. So would I. That's James. Too much logic, like you said. Uh, Dave Scooby. Up the Champion Series builds up a few feuds for 73. Trevor almost has to win unless he wants to step away. So that catches us up on the comments. <laughs> Stop it, Dave I think you did that on purpose. And that brings us so, to the next next match, right? You ready to go move right. on? So, the next match. so we get Paul. Ready. You know, they should have came up with team names because it's hard to keep saying Pope and Sky or Team Pope Sky. Like, they should have given them a team name, like a house name, right? Like, you know, like Slytherin or Puff wow. and Puff or whatever. Um, but the James next. has been watching Harry Potter again. I, you know, I've never actually watched. Uh, a movie the whole way through. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen a Harry Potter movie or Lord of the Rings. Well, three is really good if you're going to watch one. So, so we get next up. We got Pope Sky's Genocide versus Aldous Molina's uh, Sky Blue. Now, this matchup mirrored a lot of their first uh, match on Power. Or was that the pre-show? I think it was the pre-show. It was a good match. It was fun. You know, it, it is what it was supposed to be. You have Sky Blue, the you know the the smaller wrestler, using more aerial tactics, using trying to use a more high-flying offense against this stalwart uh, genocide. You know, five ten. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna even pretend to guess how much she weighs, but she's built uh, similarly, not the same, but similar to Camille. So you get that powerhouse versus the the featherweight and what you get in the ring is pretty much what you see is is uh you know genocide basing for a lot of the high flying moves from sky blue uh some of the things in this match that kind of still ring uh ring true to me were the times where like sky blue tried to do a spinning heel kick in the corner and and genocide just pushed the leg out of the way or no she caught it excuse me she caught the leg or uh, when when Sky Blue went today. To, what's that? She said like nope or not today or something like that. Right, and then uh, there was a point where she jumped at her off the top rope, and she just kind of pushed her, and like totally just didn't sell the the, the attack at all. So uh, I like Genocide a lot. I think she's a great talent. I don't think she. Uh, I, I think I think she's gonna be one of these women that we're talking about in the next few years as the next big thing. Uh, Sky Blue has a hell of a lot of heart. She looked good in the ring, um, but again, Genocide is being built up as as a behemoth in the NWA. That's why she was Pope Sky's number one pick. Um, match ends with a Jenna uh, a Genocide powerbomb. She basically just manhandled Sky Blue for about ten minutes or five minutes. Uh, what was your thoughts about this match, Dcam? What'd you think? Uh, you know, if I had to. Rank them one, two, three, and four. This one's, you know, let's be honest, it's probably four. It wasn't the best match on the show, but it was, again, it wasn't a bad match. Mm-hmm. It, it was what it was supposed to be. Genocide <laughs> the monster, it's supposed to look like a monster. I don't even know Sky Blue has a victory in NWA yet. So it was, it was, it was what it was. I, I was entertained by it. 
I was primarily entertained by some of uh, Genocide's moves blocking uh, Sky Blue. Uh, that means that I don't think Sky Blue looked bad. I didn't, there was never a point that I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, you know, why is she here? That's That looked terrible or whatever. So they both played their part right. in wrestling as with want. You want people to play their part. They did. It was a solid, you know, two-star match. It wasn't a dud. And, you know, hey. What happened after that? I don't remember. Well, that's uh, after that, J-Cow plugged the Discord page where we've been having a lot of great conversation as of late. I really would like to encourage everyone watching us to join our Discord server. Uh, the link is not only in the comment section, but it's also in the description of this uh, uh, episode of the Alliance blog. So we hope you guys will join us on the Discord server where we're keeping that NWA conversation going on that format uh, throughout the week. Hope you guys uh, will take advantage of that and join us there. Um, but that leads to the next match where we have Team Aaron and Taryn. Uh, they they present JTG, Jay the God, versus uh, Idol and Camille's Mims. Now, this match was also very similar to the Latimer and Marche Rocket match. It was a lot more competitive than I thought it was going to be. And again, Mims has been a talent who was used mostly as enhancement, but has had a few key victories on the show. Really kind of came up against JTG and really looked good even in defeat. Now, we know that JTG uh, recently challenged for the national title, and I expect a lot of big things uh, going forward for Jay the God. But in this match, Mims looked really good. And in this match, they, they put on a pretty good match. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Like you said early on, DK, there wasn't uh, a clear blow away uh, match that was amazing, but there wasn't a match that was bad either. And uh, this was certainly, like, right there, more good than bad. Uh, the match ends when uh, J the JTG hits the uh, Brooklyn's Edge, uh, similar to the Razor's Edge, and gets the 1-2-3. I got to ask you, what did you think about the match? What did you think about the chemistry between the two? And, and what do you think for both men? It was probably my favorite match on the, on the show. Same. I loved how well Mims looked. I mean, and that's him. You know, that's that's him learning. That's him growing. That's him becoming a better wrestler. And I thought he looked really good. And I think if the NWA Smart, this is somebody who you would look at and go, we could develop him and we could turn him into a, if not a top star, star, at least uh, you know next level star I agree and uh, somebody who you know could certainly be considered a credible TV champion you know within a few months and uh, I think it, this was a thing, again there wasn't a you weren't surprised by who won but I was very surprised by how competitive it was. Uh, they kind of blew the ending twice 
which the first time I didn't mind because you know what things happen in the real world yeah you know we've seen boxers fall from throwing a punch MMA guys slip you know things happen guy breaks an angle right in the middle of a fight who knew yeah you know so uh second one just looked like he didn't get a good second time just looked like he didn't get a good set set for it when he executed it but uh the match was good I enjoyed it again big men doing big men things to each other <laughs> it was believable and uh I don't know what else to say other than I pretty much enjoyed it so I mean I you people out there that watch the show I mean was there anything that you didn't like you know in the first three matches because I don't really have anything no I, and and that's the thing like on the discord server somebody said oh I can't wait to hear DK say some good things about the NWA and it's like hey man we, we say good things about the NWA all the time it's just you know when it's bad we're also going to tell you that it's bad this episode was pretty solid and maybe the one of the best episodes of the new era of the NWA, a new era of power. Um, again, there was not a lot of there. Was, there was nothing wrong. There was nothing bad. And like like DK said earlier, we could nitpick stuff that we didn't like, but for the most part, like the show was good. It had a good energy. The crowd seemed to be good. Uh, watching it, I heard a lot of good things. I wasn't able to watch it until today. And watching it, I was like, yeah, this was a very solid show. There was no nothing bad about it. Um, in the comments section, uh, Terry McDermott says Mims and JTG are both loved, and I was for whoever won. So he, Terry McDermott says that you know he he was happy with either guy winning that match. Sean Mega says JTG looks phenomenal. What would Luthez do? Says that JTG has won him over, and I think you know I look back to where how JTG wrestled when he was in the WWE because back then I actually did watch Raw and SmackDown. And, and as part of crime time, like he had the silly gimmick, but you know, you didn't really see the wrestling to go with it. But this is a guy that trained at Ohio Valley. He's a guy that was trained by, you know, uh, Danny Davis and, and I believe, uh, who they say his trainer was. Oh gosh. DK, do you know? So, was it Sonny Rogers? Well, I would have if we hadn't asked. Was it Sonny Rogers? Uh, no. Was it Rip Hawk? I don't no, know. No. It was whoever came in after uh, after Cornette, I think. Regardless, he looked great. And, and and for you guys who are saying that he looks good, yeah, he was he was very good. And I could see big things for for both men. But JTG, I think you know, post seventy third, he might be looking at a, a you know a feud with the title. Kakushi said Rip Rogers. So did uh, Dave Scooby. Rip Rogers. I was saying Sonny Rogers. You're right, Rip Rogers. Um, Dave Scooby also points out it was great seeing wrestling, or wrestlers wrestling. Love having the teams out supporting their team. I thought that was a great little uh, piece that they added to it as well. I was kind of baffled that the team captains weren't out there as well. Um, I know we had a few of them on the broadcast table, but like you didn't see Molina and Nick out there talking strategy before the match. You didn't see Pope and Sky out there getting the team warmed up and maybe that would have been kind of fun to see too but again not the end of the world I'm not going to nitpick 
uh, things that they should have done because the show overall was just really solid. And uh, that that takes us to the main event. That takes us to um, Team Aldis and Molina versus Team Pope Sky. And we get Fred Rosser, no days off, now exclusive with New Japan of America, taking on the former national champion, Trevor Murdoch. And this was a pretty fun match. I don't know that I ever saw the the primetime players take on uh, Kate and Murdoch. I think they they passed in time. I don't think they ever faced off before. So this is the first time for me seeing these two wrestlers in the same ring. And it was a pretty good match. Again, nothing wrong. Um, it looked like Trevor had the match won and could have went for the three count and instead uh, chose to use the submission hold. DK, what were your thoughts on this one? It was different than the rest of it. it this was a little more kind of brawlish, brutal. Uh, whereas the others were more wrestling matches, this one was kind of more of a hoss fight. Which I think whenever you have Trevor Murdoch in the ring, you're more likely to end up with a hoss match. For sure. Although, although he can't wrestle. Uh, so. I I enjoyed it, but it was probably three. So for those of you who can't figure out my rankings, it was uh, Mims and JTG was one. Latimer and Rocket were two. Murdoch and Rothschild were three. And the ladies were four. But it was so low in between each of them. I kind of, I kind of hate giving those rankings, but just and those are one hundred percent personal. By the way, um, what entertained me, what I enjoyed, what I liked. I did like that he went for the submission. Probably one of the things that may have influenced the way I thought. I did not like him in all this mouthing back. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit, but I know all this that you know was gone from a couple of episodes and was back last week and was there this week, but I'm really tired of his voice. <laughs> and and I it's an honest thing. I mean I I mean that that's not a thing. I'm absolutely tired of hearing it. And he's kind of gotten to the point where he's kind of repeating the same things over again because he's there so much and everything. And we'll talk some about this a little bit later as we we're, we're going to do some fantasy booking. It was a good show. I was happy with the show. The only thing that worried me, two things worry me about future shows. We talked about the DQ thing with the plugs. One of the big things they kind of kept repeating over and over again tonight was how none of the teammates were interfering. So I kind of have a fear that that may settle into it. And my other fear, my other fear is that Aldis and Molina had zero points. So, you know, in the first bracket, they split. In the second bracket, it was both 
uh, all the team dropped both of them, so it's zero points. I'm a little bit worried about a comeback, you know, where they end up being behind but still somehow come back and win their screw drops and stuff like that. I would, again, this is personal, and there's a booking reason for it. I'd really like all this team not to win at all. I'd really kind of like them to knocked out of the, th- of the thing altogether. And, uh, but, hey, I enjoyed the show. It was the type of show that makes me look forward to next week. So, it's been a while since I could say that. Yo, Chris. And, uh, no, Adam, I'm trying to fit in. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, what were, what were your overall thoughts? Well, first of all, uh, Terry said something that totally slipped my mind, but I think it should be brought up. And whether the NWA did this intentionally or not, if they did it intentionally, this is a good way to do a slow build for storylines. Because obviously when these were taped, Fred Rosser wasn't under contract exclusive to New Japan of America. So we didn't have these expectations of a uh, of him not being available after the set of tapings. But on this episode, um, Fred Rosser and, and, and Trevor Murdoch had, that, had their match. And it was a Haas fight like you pointed out. But what Terry mentioned is that back uh, a few weeks ago, they had had that altercation with JTG when Rosser threw in the towel and Murdoch called him out on it. And, you know, I know it's a minor detail, but if you think about it, they could have extrapolated that into a storyline where, you know, eventually Rosser could be like, hey, Murdoch, get out of my business. And and that could have led to something. And then the altercation, of course, the matchup this week, combined with the altercation from a few weeks ago, you have something you could have started building from. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen, but they certainly could have. And I think that's that's kind of interesting. And I think that's why this series is going to be so much fun because they're going to have an opportunity to have these different styles of guys who hadn't been in the match, uh, haven't had matches before. And maybe this can create some new storyline and stuff doesn't have to be so convoluted because they're, now their storyline is that I just don't like you because you beat me last time. And now I want to get that win back. Um, overall, we have a ranking now. We have... Team Pope Sky with the victories with Genocide and Murdoch now have 10 points, so they're in the lead. Camille and Idol have 5 points with Latimer's victory. Aaron and Taryn also has 5 points with JTG's victory. And Aldous and Melina are goose-egging it. They have no points at all. Next week, uh, matches haven't yet been announced, but I imagine we're going to see some more of this um, column A, column B, column A, column B. Uh, like they did this week, so we'll see some uh, some new matches and and and, and uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. And if they did every episode of Power like this, um, again, I would be very happy with the show. Uh, I didn't watch it live, but I heard a lot of good things about the show, which kind of was a little bit intimidating because I've seen people say a lot of positive things about the show and then I've been very disappointed by it. But this episode lived up to the hype that other people were giving it. I was very happy with it. And, you know, the next matches are going to be a lot a lot of fun too. And then I'm not sure how things are going to change up. You know, earlier, DK, you said, well, we don't have, uh, we, we didn't have any triple threat matches. We didn't have any uh, specialty matches. I don't know. Maybe that's what happens in the next round. But uh, so far, it's been straight up booking. So far, nothing really silly, just straight up wrestling. And it's great that they're getting the positive reaction that they deserve. 
I agree. So, Mr. Callie, Kaylee, Callie, Kaylee. Just don't Fox call me late for dinner. Yeah. Tell me, Mr. I was on the road forever and ever in a day. What about the North Carolina matches? So, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we, you know, I was on the road. I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, of all places. And I got the notification on my phone that uh, the NWA was going live on Instagram. Did anyone else get that? Did anyone else jump onto Instagram? Uh, I jumped on and I watched the match from Charlotte. You know, and uh, the, uh, the Jody, who sometimes is in our pre-party, Jody has been a longtime NWA fan. He's from Indonesia. And he's been following the NWA almost as closely as I have, maybe even closer, to be quite honest. And he pointed out, I forgot, that that venue is the same place that Greg Price used to run those NWA uh, shows that he used to do. Um, back in the day, I think NWA Beginnings is what he called it. I think maybe I'm getting my shows mixed up, but he did those uh, those NWA Hall of Fame shows. Uh, you know, so he he had filmed the Adam Pierce versus uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson uh, at the uh, at that same venue. So that world title has been defended there quite often. So that. That venue, albeit uh, kind of an odd choice, it has some very historic significance for the modern-day National Wrestling Alliance. These things I wasn't aware of. Doty pointed those out. So we had Kenzie Page versus Camille. I did not get to see any of that match, uh, but I heard uh, it was pretty much all Camille. Um, but I did get to see the Trevor Murdoch challenge Nick Aldis. And I got to say wrestling five times a year defending the 10 pounds of gold certainly was visible chris pointed out legends fan fest thanks chris it it, the match itself i think was very bland i I feel like they mailed it in there's maybe 50 people in attendance and if that's the kind of uh you know obviously they're not going to draw that same crowd in st louis when they're near sellout for the 73rd anniversary show but if that's the kind of performance they they deliver on that pay-per-view, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed. I was very disappointed to see, uh, you know, Aldis, who looks like a million bucks. I mean, he just didn't look like he had any gas in the tank. He just wasn't moving. He, he was he was slow. It looked like he was winded. And look, I'm not an athlete. If you put me in a 10-minute match, I'd be winded too. I'd probably be throwing up in the ring. But he's the world's heavyweight champion, and I'm just some fat guy in California who talks about wrestling. I uh, was very disappointed to see that. Now, Trevor Murdoch, again, he's never been a five-tool athlete. He's never been uh, in, in the best shape of his life. And I, I, I well, that, he's he's never been Nick Aldis shape. So I wouldn't imagine that he would be uh, as, as quick as a mongoose either. But the match just lacked a lot, in my opinion. And I watched it twice, and I just I didn't enjoy it. DK, what were your thoughts? Well, to go back to the Camille Kenzie page, because I actually saw that, and I didn't think that one was bad. I thought it, you know, again, a little bit like the genocide Sky Blue. You knew who was going to win, and you knew one person was going to be more popular than the other. Uh, Kenzie got some few good moves in. <laughs> because you're funny. Uh, 
so I mean, it was it was good for what it was. They didn't clip, and I don't know fully what what the reason was. And it happens sometimes. There's just a night where wrestlers don't click. It wasn't a Styles clash. I mean, I'm not talking about a finish. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a clash of styles. But it wasn't. Certainly wasn't as good as their first one on Power. It wasn't as good as their pay-per-view match. And they just. I don't know what it was, but that night they didn't click. Maybe somebody was sick. Maybe there were too many allergies. Maybe they didn't care. I mean, like, I can't tell you. It, it did surprise me that all this looked winded after after the match. So, you know, maybe he's, you know, obviously looking at him, the guy's fit. Maybe he needs Cargill. I don't know. Or, you know, maybe it's just one of those nights where things just don't go anybody's way. Yeah. And, and, and look, I mean, if you guys ever go back and watch some of the old Alliance Guys podcasts, I mean, I remember episode nine of Power. I was over the moon with that match that Aldis had with Trevor Murdoch, and they both looked really good. And, and now, granted, a five-minute TV match is different than a 10-minute, you know, independent wrestling show match. But at the end of the day, I felt like you're right. There was something not connecting. And again, maybe it was seasonal allergies. Maybe it was the buffet before the show wasn't up to uh, health safety regulations. It just, it wasn't a good match. And the post promo from Murdoch, who says, I still want to be world champion even though I lost. I mean, to me, like... Now I'm now I'm siding with Aldis, right? Because Trevor Murdoch, you've had an opportunity to win the title and, and Aldis cheated and you didn't win. Fair enough. You got your rematch and it wasn't a chair that stopped you from winning that match. It was you just getting pinned. Or tapping out, excuse me. And and for that to happen. Well getting pinned. Oh, he did get pinned, excuse me. Sorry. Um for him to lose the match cleanly just shows like uh, what I mean why would you book it that way why would you put your top challenger who who's supposed to win at the 73rd or at least be the challenge at 73rd why would you put him in a position where he loses and, and so now he's trying to appeal to the to the dealer and and say hey you know I know you need uh, the stakes to be high so I'm offering my career versus the title I just think that you're booking yourself into a corner and they did the same thing with Marty Skrull at the Crockett Cup uh, that was supposed to happen in 2020, where they painted themselves into this corner that if you don't lose, you know, if all this doesn't lose, then you're going to lose Trevor Murdoch, or you're going to, to you know, have to pay the fans tickets. It just, it's convoluted. It's stupid. How about just the fact that Trevor Murdoch wants to challenge for the title? Why, why does he have to throw his career in there? I it just uh, it frustrates me. What are, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the NWA is trying to spin it in that they need the rubber match because 
Trevor Murdoch really won the first one. I mean, he didn't, but he, 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 he really, really did. You know, you don't, you don't realize it. If, you know, Aldis hadn't hit a referee with the chair where he should have been, you know, indefinitely suspended, fined $250,000 and stripped of the title. But hey, referee's decision is final, except for when we want to use video for some other reason to validate it. So, but, you know, so Murdoch won the first one. And now all this won the second one. So now we need the rubber match. Uh, no. I mean, and it's not like Murdoch barely won this match, or the match was so great and so competitive and so wow. We can't believe it. We want to see who you know. We want to see another match to see if we who the real winner is. Bend them. Clean in the middle of the ring. So I don't want to see another match. So now we're going to do one of those stipulations, like I said, one of those in the corner stipulations. You practice in the corner, and you know if Murdoch doesn't win, he's done until he wrestles somewhere else or comes back six months later from another stipulation. And uh, all this is there with the world title. Here, here's my thing. I think the time has come to take the title off all this. And I'm talking more than just whatever we think of the thing. Like, he's been overexposed. And there are ways that you can protect somebody like all this in a loss. It doesn't have to be a screw job or something like that. One, I remember a match between Harley Race and Kevin Von Erich. And Kevin, you know, at some point went out of the ring and somewhere in the fall he hurt his shoulder. So the rest of the match was basically a one-armed Kevin because he couldn't use his one arm because his shoulder was hurt against Harley Race. And he was still Race still having a hard time beating. Finally, David Von Air comes in, gets Kevin disqualified, and that set up the Harley Race-David feud. And, well, my computer screen went black. Surprise me. And so you could have all this get injured in the match unrelated to anything in particular lose it but my thing is I can deal with Nick Aldis Murdoch 3 but I sure as hell don't want a 4 so if Murdoch wins I don't want a hot shot I don't want the next pay-per-view or some match in South Dakota or whatever <laughs> Gary Indiana you know Gary, Indiana, which I guess we need to talk a little bit about that after this. Uh, we need we need to move in a different direction. And so 
in my fantasy booking that I was talking to Jay about just before the show, this is just Devin booking. No, nothing special about it. If, you know, someone say, hey, Devin, you're going to book the storyline for the NWA, what would you do? Wait, 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 wait. And now, a view from DKM. Oh, thank you. A view from DKM. I'm currently going to do my column on the air tonight. And uh, I think the issue... I think for me, what I would do... All this can be injured. His knee, his elbow, his shoulder, his neck, his teeth. I don't care. Something. Gets injured during the match. Murdoch wins clean, but there's still that out for Aldis of, you know, if he hadn't gone flying uh, through the ropes and got his leg tangled, and you know, he he, he could have won. So, and then the, what that does is not only does it give you the new champion, which the NWA kind of desperately needs at the moment, but it takes Aldis out of the picture for a while. And as you know, Jim Cornette likes to say on his show, how can I miss you if you won't go away? <laughs> That's a great one. And, you know, this was one of the benefits of the territories. Is that, especially if you're wrestling in the Mid-South, you can disappear for six months mm-hmm. and go wrestle in Georgia or go wrestle in Texas or go up, go up to Kansas City, you know, over to Florida do something and you you know you get out of the area and then you come back you learn a new move and you come back that's you know that's funny you learn a new move you come back and you can either come back as a face or come back as a heel or you know whatever the same or switch sides but you come back and now you're a little bit fresher Freddie Freddie Blassie was a legend at doing that I mean he he left SoCal the, the Grand Olympic Auditorium, he left that era as a heel. Most hated guy in L.A. I mean, literally, people were trying to take knives and stab him on his way to the ring. He goes to Georgia for Georgia Championship Wrestling, spends some time out there. When he comes back to California, when he comes back to Los Angeles, you've got John Tolos, who's kind of the heel of the area. He's the big bad guy of the area. And Blassie comes back, and he's welcomed and well-received as a babyface. And that blood feud was one of the highest drawing um, angles for the Grand Olympic of all time. And it was that simple formula of, okay, you've overstayed your welcome, go do something else and come back later. Exactly. And this is kind of what this is kind of what you do with these things. You gotta you gotta refresh. So um wasn't genuine so I'm kind of tired of Aldous's voice. And I'm an Aldous fan. But I'm kind of tired of his voice at this particular moment. And so, get him off the air for six months. And he doesn't have to be completely off. He can do a couple of follow-ups to see how he's rehabbing or whatever. But, you know, the trick is, and those are like pre-taped video things at home, at the gym, whatever, at a doctor's office. You don't have him there. He can be at the show behind the scenes running whatever he wants to but you don't see him on camera. You don't talk about him. This gives Murdoch a chance to, you know, defend his title against, uh, 
whatever Masters' name is in the NWA. Adonis. Adonis, that's right. And so, you know, uh, he can have a couple of, he can have a couple of challengers. And then, again, view from DKM, what DKM would do is he would put the title on Thomas Lapp. And so, so is, is Kevin so, watching at home? Because he just popped right there. Probably. So you put you put the title on Latimer after four or five months, and then when all this is coming back, this is kind of where you get that sting for horseman thing, or. Uh, Evolution, when Randy Orton won the title or whatever, with a little bit of a twist, you have Nick Aldis come back. And Nick Aldis is ready to challenge for the title. You know, he's been out, he's rebuilt. You know, he and Latimer are teammates. It's going to stay within the strictly business. They need to have the match. So it looks like, you know, you're going to get the two of them to do it. Uh, You have the match. Vladimir cheats to win. Aldis gets a little bit upset. And Vladimir beats the shit out. Just pummels him. He goes after whatever he injured. Those injured teeth. Or those injured knee or whatever. And he goes after them. He's smacking him with the chair or whatever. And Mickey James comes out to try and do it. Camille comes out and spears her into the next week. And so then, you know, Chris Adonis comes out. He's checking on on all this and looking at Vladimir like, "What the hell are you doing?" and stuff like that. And he, you know, helps all this get back up to the B. And then he nails it. And so now you got all the heels beating up all this and no one's coming to save all this because everybody hates them right? right until finally Trevor Murdoch or somebody you know comes out with a chair and runs everybody off he's beaten up and now all this can go away for about another month but now he's back when he makes that come back now he's back now he's the face now he's somebody you want to see challenging for the title now he's somebody who you want to see going back and, you know, the money is in the checks. Always remember that in wrestling, people. The money is in the checks. Money's not in the title changes. It's in the checks. And so, now you set up something. Now you got something going. Now you've taken all this, the guy that everybody is sick of, and the fans want to see him win the title. So that's booking by DKM, a view from DKM, copyright uh, 2021. So, I mean, that's that's actually, I see a lot of value in that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, parallels to Flair, you know, um, when Flair, Flair started feuding with uh, with Terry Funk and, and it was the JTEX Corporation, if I'm not mistaken, where uh, Muda and Terry Funk were kind of working together, causing hell for Flair. And Sting and Flair had this uneasy alliance, and they became a team, only for Flair to just turn on Sting the first opportunity he got. 
Um, it's a little, it's, obviously it's different, but it just has that same kind of energy. And um, I think that would be good for the NWA. It, it, again, I I keep talking about how the NWA has painted themselves into this corner. We're celebrating a thousand plus days of Nick Aldis being world champion, but you know, a little birdie told me that he, that title was supposed to change hands back at the Crockett Cup. 2020. I mean, this is all forethought and afterthought and everything else, but, uh, you know, we wouldn't be celebrating all this being champion had that, you know, had a a global worldwide pandemic had not shut the NWA down for, you know, almost a year. So, I mean, I'll... I'll, Well, Rupert, I think we were supposed to lose the title at the premiere of Primetime Live. Yes. That was also a rumor that I've heard, but it wasn't supposed to be uh, against who he ended up facing. But you know, these are speculations; these are rumors; these aren't facts. I, you know, I'm not scoops. I don't have all the real news. I'm just telling you what I've heard uh, with my ear on the street. But with that being said, we are running out of time. I did want to talk about uh, uh, some of the breaking news that happened uh, yesterday. The AEW announced something kind of interesting now this relationship with the nwa and aew i believed was coming to an end i believed that now with thunder rosa exclusive i I guess not exclusive but officially signed to aew and out of nwa contract i thought that was the end for the nwa aew relationship especially now that you have mickey james going on impact wrestling and courting diana perrazzo to come make an appearance at the empowered pay-per-view i kind of thought that was the end of it but Tony Khan's forbidden door has been kicked open and is literally being propped open now by the Burke. And I'm talking about that NWA World's Women's Championship because apparently AEW is going to have an eliminator tournament for a shot at the NWA Women's Championship. Now, I'm not a big AEW fan. I don't I don't watch the product, although I'm getting closer and closer to doing it because it just looks like they're, they're doing such crazy stuff. I mean, you've got the IWGP US champion t- title changing hands on an AEW show. You've got the the, the Generation Ace uh, Tanahashi coming to challenge Lance Archer for the IWGP US championship on an AEW program for a match that's going to happen in Los Angeles. I mean, this is it's getting crazy. It's getting hard to, to keep up with everything. But it looks like AEW is going to have a tournament to have a shot at Camille's Women's World Championship, the Burke. Um, now, the interesting thing about that is, you know, they haven't specified when this tournament is going to... I mean, we know that the first match happens next week when Ali, uh, the bunny, challenging uh, Layla Hirsch. I know a lot of the MPW crowd is very over with uh, legit uh, Layla Hirsch. And uh, she's been making some waves in AEW. But I, again, I think this is its interesting, at the very least, that the Women's World Championship is still being talked about in AEW. And now there's a, potentially a shot for Camille to, uh, you know, appear on AEW programming as the Women's World Champion. And as just pointed out in a room by John Farmer, Camille defended the title twice this weekend, that RCW show uh, in San Antonio was a title match. So actually, um, our women's world champion, uh, had successfully defended the title twice, but I think it's interesting to talk about and at least to think about 
what is next with this AEW-NWA relationship? And are we going to see Camille appear in AEW? Or are we going to see stars from AEW start um, matriculating into the Empower pay-per-view? I mean, what are your thoughts, DK? Um, I have a feeling some of this probably has to probably negotiated as part of the Thunder Rosa release and sign. Uh, look, Tony Gong has stated he's basically going to work with anybody. But let's never get off the idea that Tony Gong's willing to work with anybody, but uh, his guys are going to win. <laughs> that's, that's kind of why it goes. And uh, look, they can get some talent for Empower out of this. Good for them. I don't. I don't know. It would seem weird to have matches for the see who was going to challenge for the NWA Women's Title if you don't bring the NWA Women's Champion in. So, pretty sure Billy has her locked up in the contract for a while. It certainly needs to be because, trust me, as she develops and she's vastly approved between AEW and WWE, one of them is snap her up. Without a doubt. She's a very talented female. Um, and uh, although she's not, you know, she's not, she's not the pinnacle yet. I mean, you have to admit that every time she stepped in the ring, she's gotten better. Promos are better. Kevin pointed that out a couple weeks ago. Her promos are getting better. Her in-ring work is getting better. I mean, she looked strong in those matches with Thunder Rosa. She looked strong in those matches with Serena Deep. And I don't get me wrong, those are both two really incredible women athletes. But we're putting Camille in that same sentence. And I really feel like that that should be celebrated for Camille and for the NWA. That a woman like her, who's still, you know, she's fairly new to the business. She hasn't had a whole lot of in-ring action, but she's getting better. And I think that's that's where it's got to go. You know, that's if she ends up in AEW or WWE, it's going to be after some time spent in the NWA carrying that division. And I know there's, you know, they're they're bringing in more women every day. I mean, this whole Empower pay-per-view is about finding more women to fill that NWA roster, but I think it's, 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 at the very least, it's exciting to me to see that AEW wants to continue that relationship. You know, one of the things I always said about the NWA going back in the last 15 years is that the NWA is alive as long as people are watching it, as long as the title is being defended, as long as it's being seen. And, 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 you know, for, for what people call the wilderness years, when the title wasn't seen that often, I mean, Dan Severn, although he didn't have any defenses, brought the belt to the UFC. He brought the belt to the WWE. And, and that carries weight. It meant something. And for the NWA's Women's World Championship, the Burke, to be highly featured on AEW programming, while they have their own championship, I think that really means something. And, and at the end of the day, you're right. At the end of the day, Tony Khan's biggest concern is Tony Khan's wrestling promotion, AEW. But that doesn't mean that the NWA can't benefit from some publicity, 
they can benefit from some more eyeballs. And, and basically, a, a talent like Camille can benefit from being in the ring with some of the women from AEW. Do you, do you, do you agree or disagree? I mostly agree. You got to be careful. The way they handled the women's title so far was pretty good. I mean, Thunder Rosa was treated mostly well in uh, AEW. Uh, of course, Deep, you know, had a good run as champion and everything. Where you kind of, kind of in the mix there with the women there. Honestly, AEW doesn't book women's wrestling very well in general, but uh, at least the two people that held the title were a very talented wrestler and a very talented wrestler trainer. So they, they got some good matches out of people who didn't always have good matches. And there's there's something to be said to get noticed, but we also got to be realistic to the sense that very few people who watch AEW, especially those that watch for Kenny Omega or the Bucks or whatever, they're not necessarily going to like what we just spent all this time praising. That's true. It, it, you know, they're not really into that type of wrestling. And, you know, they're wrong, but that's fine. Uh, so, you know, everybody said when it was on ROH, oh, it's on ROH, sir. ROH fans didn't care. ROH fans went on boards and said they didn't care. You know, it didn't mean anything to them. They didn't, for ROH, they couldn't understand why you were having NWA people. They weren't going to go watch the pay-per-views. They weren't going <laughs> to. Well, I, 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 I do want to point this out, and, and this is the dichotomy here, right? Because when we talk about the Burke and how well AEW treated the Burke, let's go back to All In. 2018, uh, 2018, all in. 18, 17, something about it. 2018, Cody versus Nick. One of the high, most highest uh, talked about match on that pay-per-view. And although it wasn't the main event, many people attribute to that match as being the main event. Cody wins the title. And hundreds of thousands of eyeballs are now placed on that 10 pounds of gold. I mean, that 10 pounds of gold series leading up to it uh, had so many people talking about the NWA. And, and we're talking about 2017, uh, 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 Billy Corgan purchases the NWA, becomes the owner president, solidifies the brand as one. They have uh, they start appearing on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood with Tim Storm and Nick Aldis. The ball is rolling. There's a little bit of buzz, but not much, right? We get to All In. Dave Marquez is taking that 10 pounds of gold to China. Are we talking about that? No. We're talking about all in. We're talking about Cody versus Nick. And that was the headlines. Cody versus Nick for the 10 pounds of gold. You got The Rock congratulating Cody Rhodes on winning the 10 pounds of gold. People were talking about the NWA that hadn't been talking about it in a long time. Fast forward to the 70th anniversary show just a month and a half later. And that place was sold out. The asylum, the TNA asylum is sold out because people were there to see Cody Rhodes defend the 10 pounds of gold and Nick Aldis. Now, I'll admit, I'll admit after that match, a lot of the buzz kind of started to evaporate for the NWA because Cody now is no longer in the title pitcher. 
but there were many, many eyeballs that came from that all elite world, that that Ring of Honor world, that uh, that alternative pro wrestling, the independent wrestling that be, that became fans of the NWA because that Cody and Aldis match. You can't deny it. That's iconic, dude. Oh. Look, look, look. Here's my thing. Cody going for the same title that his dad held was big thing. They're doing this big thing to prove they can draw 10,000 fans. And, you know, let's be honest, if it had been Cody going for the ROH title or whatever, they would have sold the same number of tickets. If he had gone for, if he was going for Bob's Wrestling, Backyard Wrestling Federation Championship, they would have sold the same number of tickets. But there was a historic idea of a father-son NWA show. People were big for Cody. Sure. And people were big for Cody winning the NWA title since his dad had it. But like you said, six months after Cody dropped the belt, I think the NWA is basically back to the same group of fans it had before Cody got in there. See, this is where I disagree with you. You know, yeah, there are a few that come and a few that go, but I don't think they'll... I mean, and remember, the NWA didn't really do anything to follow up on it. No. I mean, they they, were, they talked about the pop-up shows. They didn't do them. They talked about, you know, this and that. There wasn't really anything going on. They certainly didn't do anything to maintain momentum. And, but, you but, know, you, you got to know, you got to know your audience. You know, if you want to, you know, you got to know... If you bring in fans, you got to make sure that you don't have fans leaving because if you're changing your style and stuff like that, unless you can bring in, you know, more than you're going to lose. And so ultimately, I don't know that it did them that that much good. I think a lot of hardcore fans, of course, were excited when they got the TV thing. You know even if it was a YouTube stuff. But, you know, I pointed out then, I'm going to know again. Mm. See, so, it's only my inner classic. But, uh, right. And it's just, I don't feel like there were any more people watching when they were doing their ROH I don't feel like there are any more people watching NWA when they're doing their ROH thing. There was no evidence that ROH fans followed Marty Scurll. No, but but I would point out this, and, and, and we're going to wrap up the show here in just a minute, but I do want to point out that if you... Now, our Discord, our fans have been pretty much lifelong fans, diehard NWA fans, and that's that's legit. I'm not saying that to blow smoke up anyone's butt, but I, but I bet most of you here who are in this chat right now were on my message board 10 years ago. And some of you that aren't have been following the brand closely regardless. But I bet if you were to go to, say, this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you check out the fans there, the NWA fans there that, you know, didn't follow the NWA as closely if at all, prior to Billy Corgan's purchasing the NWA. I mean, Gary Horn has said it himself, he, you know, the, the head honcho, he didn't even watch the NWA until he heard about Billy Corgan buying it. 
And that's what started a lot of this change, right? And so most of the fans, I can't say most, I don't have specific numbers, but I'm saying there's a good chunk of fans who weren't following the NWA until Cody came around. And I think that a lot of that has changed. Um, so again, well, again I'm, not saying, I'm not saying nobody, but I think uh, here would be my thing. If there were 5,000 people watching before Cody, there were probably 5,000 watching after Cody. There were 10,000, it was 10,000. Okay, Gary Horn didn't watch beforehand, but there are probably people who used to watch the dump. I mean, I know because I know individuals specifically, sure. which you always got to be careful of. But I mean, I know people who do not watch the NWA anymore because they hate power and they hate what it did, you know, how it was being run and everything like that. Wow. And so, and so I I don't feel like the I don't feel like the NWA is in a certainly not significant better situation and uh, probably just overall not probably about the same as they were beforehand and so and you know let's be a little bit honest if you believe the rumors if you believe the rumors Cody kind of screwed them because the rumors were always supposed that it was supposed to be a trilogy with Cody and in fact according to some Cody was supposed to win the first two Cody was actually supposed to win at the uh, what do you call it the anniversary show and then he wasn't supposed to drop the title till the third match but if Apparently that got changed somewhere along the way. Some people say Cody didn't even want to do the anniversary show, but contracted to. So, you know, one of the rumors. He doesn't watch the NWA anymore. One of the rumors I heard was that the third and final match was supposed to take place at Madison Square Garden when Ring of Honor went to Madison Square Garden. However, that was all about the same time that the contracts for Cody and the Young Bucks and Adam Page all came up and so that they weren't there for that show and they knew that they weren't going to be there for that show and that's why they ended up doing the switch at the 70th anniversary as opposed to uh, the, where it was supposed to be the Madison Square Garden but could you imagine that? I mean, that's something else to talk about on a different episode but could you imagine Aldis winning the 10 pounds of gold at MSG? That would have been pretty electric. But we're up against it, guys. We, we like to keep the show right at about an hour and a half, and, and we're a little bit past that. So we're going to wrap things up again. I do appreciate you guys being here, hanging out with us on a Thursday. Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, our presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at The Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at The Alliance Blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.